Father God, we come before you tonight. Father, at the forefront of our mind this evening is to pray for those in our church, Father God, and we pray for Barbara Scott this evening, Lord. Father God, we, we just pray, Lord, that, that your will be done, that, Father, you would surround her with your everlasting arms of love, your peace, your comfort, your assurance, your presence, Lord. Father, we thank you that you do all of that for us, Father. And Father, we pray for those other people in that church that are unwell tonight. To pray you'll come and touch them and heal them in Jesus' name. Father God, we, we just come this evening to your word. And we thank you that your word teaches us and it changes us and it challenges us. Father God, it encourages us and you always, always have something to say to us because it is a living word. And Father, for that we say thank you tonight as we look at this, this subject this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. In the course of Jesus' ministry, here on earth he encountered many broken people who were in need of both uh, physical healing and mental healing. And so we don't have to look too far in the world today to see uh, broken people who simply believe that they are beyond repair. We exist as a church to bring hope and healing to a broken world. It's a tremendous privilege and responsibility uh, to do that because we simply believe as we started looking at this sermon series back in January, we believed that, that there was nobody that was beyond repair where God is involved and God does what it takes uh, to fix us, to repair us, to make us into the people that he wants us to be so he, he can bless us and in blessing us, he is glorified. And so tonight we're going to take a look at the story of the, the Good Samaritan and I put a quote up there just really for the start of my sermon because obviously I like quotes but this one really stands out that God uses broken people like you and me to rescue broken people like you and me and I thought what a wonderful phrase that is that God has no perfect people that at times we may think we're perfect or we may think there is nothing wrong to us but that's not true. We know we're imperfect. And God uses us as broken people to rescue broken people. Um, and it's simply that could be by our story, our testimony, what God has done in our life. That could be by some physical help or that we're able to give to people. But, but God uses broken people. And thankfully, he doesn't wait until we are perfect. I'm thankful that he didn't wait till I was perfect because... I'm far from perfect, uh, but you already know that. And so we look at this story tonight and we see uh, Jesus, uh, uh, people ask Jesus a lot of questions. I think he was asked 119 questions uh, in the course of his ministry. Uh, some of the questions were asked because people wanted to find out uh, simply what did he have to say. A lot of the questions were asked because they were trying to catch him out. They were trying to trick him, in a sense. And probably in this story here, uh, in the Good Samaritan, we see the second part of that, that a lawyer is trying to catch Jesus out with a question. Uh, and so we're just going to read the, the verses. They're going to come before you on the screen. And it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road when he saw him be passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy, and Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. There's somebody at the door there just trying to get in, if we can. Always good to let people in the church. <laughs> he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn. I've read this bit, haven't I? Did I read that? Yes, apologies. I'm just testing to see how many people are awake, actually. I, that's good. Yes, I read that. You've heard this story countless times before of the, the Good Samaritan. It's used to describe a person helping a person who is helpless. And we would describe the man who was beaten up as broken. But when I read it through in the context of our broken sermon series, I actually realise that the broken people in this story were the religious people who walked past the man who was beaten and their religion did not allow them to assist him or help him or show compassion on him. Their interpretation of their religion had not compelled them to stop and help. The priest, the religious man, he sees him but passes by. The Levite sees him and passes by. The Samaritan has every reason to pass by this Jew because the Samaritans and the Jews, just to give you a bit of historical context, sort of hated each other uh, for many hundreds of years. And so he responds differently because he says he sees him and he has compassion. And he has compassion on the, 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 the one man who just needs his help at that particular time. You see, their attitudes were broken and it simply stopped them from helping he had compassion. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, we as a church exist, and more importantly, we as believers exist to, to, to help people. It, it's why we're here. Our faith must be shown in an expression of compassion, of, of helping people in whatever situation or circumstance that they have got. In one of my favourite quotes is this, is we can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. And I thought the responsibility here that the Samaritan teaches us is this, is uh, we simply can't meet every need, but we can meet a need. And when I looked at this story, I thought to myself, I thought the Samaritan's attitude wasn't broken. It was the religious teacher's attitude that was broken. And it's awful to have a religion that prevents us from showing compassion and pity on people and helping them in their time of need. 
The Samaritan teaches us a few things which we're going to look at this evening. One of those I think is really important that, you know, and, and often we do this, and I've done this in the past, uh, you, you see a need and then you think to yourself, we need to establish a ministry to meet that need. And actually we don't, all we need to do is help the person that's right in front of us at that point. The Samaritan didn't establish a hospital for unfortunate travellers, but it does mean a concern for the ones that are immediately in front of us. We have a huge amount of opportunity, both in the church and the lives that we live day in, day out, to come across lots of broken people who we can help who we can assist and in our helping and showing compassion it says we're simply showing the love of Jesus one of the things way back early on when I became a Christian somebody says to me he says you never pray to God for compassion because say God give me God would you show compassion because God always responds I've shown compassion it's now your turn that we are the ones to show the compassion to help the people not just a theoretical discussion as was happening here he says because the lawyer was trying to catch Jesus out he was trying to say something to him to say well you know well who do we look after who is our neighbor is it you know I mean let's look at the modern context of you know a, a Rangers fan is walking down and he sees a Celtic fan lying in the street there does he help him or not people say and immediately some of you are thinking not a chance <laughs> It could be a modern day, it could be an Arab, you know, walks down and, and he sees a, a Jew and that modern context, you know, it could be a Liverpool fan walks down and sees a Manchester United fan. Yeah. It could be any of those contexts and stuff where this is this animosity, this hatred uh, between uh, people. And, and you see, if we don't turn around and Jesus says really this and that because he's going to an extreme to tell a point. He's going to extreme to tell a point and really summed up it's these three things it's this is that a Christian's life must demonstrate firstly faith in God obedience to God and third compassion for others you see the lawyer is an expert in the law and he simply knows uh, he knows the answer already and you ask people a question you already know the answer the lawyer already knows that the answer Jesus is is giving him the answer and, and the lawyer knows that that's the right answer, but then Jesus goes to an extreme to show it because he says, well, uh, you know, a Jew gets beaten up on the road and uh, the religious teacher comes past and he sort of walks on by and the Levite is sort of a, an assistant religious teacher sees him and he walks on by, but the Samaritan, the enemy, the ones that are supposed to hate each other, he stops and he sees this man and he has compassion on him. He doesn't just look at him and something feels a bit, oh, that's awful. You know, when we watch a television and in this day and age, uh, it, it's so instant that it actually blunts our compassion, I think, doesn't it? That you actually see what's going on in the news in an instant and we look at it and we've become numb to it sometimes. We've become numb to what's going on and yet we have this tremendous challenge here when we look at this is to make sure that our attitudes of compassion are not broken like the religious teachers but to make sure our attitude is that of the Samaritan because it must demonstrate these three things as we know that a faith in God and I've often said this so many times it's easier for us to present our, our worship and our offering this way and then do the stuff that we have to do this way 
because this way we have to deal with people, but it must demonstrate our faith in God. But not just that, it must demonstrate our obedience to God as well, that God has called us to do certain things, and he's told us that this is what we need to do. And partly in that side of that, it brings us on to the third thing, which is a, a compassion for others, for people who are probably worse off than we are, for people who probably don't have as much as we are, a situation or circumstance that, that we know about, that we simply can step in and, and help somebody. You know, there's often lots of reasons or excuses that, that we, we can't do that, that, that maybe our attitude is, is broken a little bit in that sense, and because the two religious teachers, they could have come off with any of these excuses, and, and when I read this, I thought, I can relate to some of these, that I'm too busy, we're already doing enough, I don't have the money, and all of these excuses that we throw in, yet actually we must make sure that if we have our faith in God and are obedient to God, it must be demonstrated in compassion for other people that we don't have to go too far from the doors of this church uh, to find out that the, the, the people that need compassion upon them they just sometimes need somebody to tell them that God loves them because they don't feel as though anybody else does love them they must sometimes feel as though that if we can help in a practical way a practical demonstration of compassion that, that everybody else has rejected them and everybody else, nobody, we don't always know the stories of the people that we help, but we always try, in a sense, you're guessing sometimes, where's the family? Where, where's, the, where, where, where's the people that are there? What's the issues there? What's, and, and often those answers to those questions don't help because we've been called to have compassion. We've been called to help people. We've been called to, to meet a need. And we see these things here, don't we? How many times maybe would we have said, the road is too dangerous for me to stop and help the man? You know, there's, uh, there's probably places that you walk through or were advised not to walk along. When, we were, when I was growing up, my, my mum always told me a particular place never to walk home that way because that was a bad place. Never, you know, Ballysillen, you got it right. So therefore, <laughs> you know, never walk through there. Give you an idea, so I grew up in Birmingham. Uh, and so you were never to walk through, why? Because it was too dangerous to the robbers and the thieves that were. So we, we could use that as an excuse, couldn't we? To stop and help the person. It says we could look at this and say, he might be a decoy for an ambush. You know it happens that people want to stop and help. And it says the next thing, people are, are robbing you and stealing you and it puts you off, uh, helping people. It says, what's, what's a, this is a religious reason. I've got to get to the temple and perform my service for the Lord. You know, imagine the modern day context of driving, excuse me, to church on a Sunday and you see a little old lady who needs a tyre changed and you realise it's going to make you late for church. What decision do you make? You're thinking about it, aren't you? It says, do I help the little old lady change attire or do I get to church to perform my religious service? But th these are real, real things. I, I, I've got to get home to see my family. Someone really should help that man. Many times uh, people walk past and, and think, they say, well, somebody else should do it. 
Somebody else will, will help them. There'll be other people that come and help. He says, here's the other one. I'm going to serve at the temple. I can't get my clothes bloody. He says, next one, this would be one for all of us. It stops us sometimes. I don't know first aid. Um, it's a hopeless case. I'm only one person. The job is too big. It's a spiritual response. I can pray for him. Here's a good one. He bought it on himself. He should have never been alone on such a dangerous road. Many times do we say that sometimes? People are broken in their lives and it would be easy to point at them and say to them, well, look, it's their fault. And we say things like where they're accepting the consequences of their actions that they had done wrong. So therefore they must suffer because they had done wrong. I don't know that he really says that in scripture even with people that do do things wrong it says we're called to show compassion therefore clothe yourself with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience from Colossians 3 that, that we looked at last week even Jesus gets out of the, the boat in, in, in Matthew 9 and he sees the crowd and, and the Bible says he says he was moved with compassion for they were like sheep without a shepherd and that feeling of compassion is looking at somebody. It's that feeling you get there in, in your gut. Not, not the one when you're hungry, but the one where you just feel that I just need to do something. I just need to help. He says we can't talk about, uh, we can't talk about a broken sermon series without saying actually God wants to use us like the Samaritan walking down the road to see a need and actually use us to be the people that meets that need. Even if we don't have something, we, we operate at the church's simple, uh, probably a, a practical thing, which is we can't help everybody, but we can help somebody. And so because we operate that way, we find that actually we've been able to help loads of somebodies without turning around and saying, well, we can't help you. If we can help you, we will. If we can't help you, well, well we won't because we can't. But most of the time we're able to find a way to help people to meet the need with compassion. So when people think of the church, he says we want them to think of what Jesus Christ would do. And so we come here into this situation and we see this, that the, 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 Samaritan, the Samaritan removes the excuses simply because he had compassion. On the back of my office door, it says, I have this postcard. I can't even remember where I got it from, but somebody gave it to me. And it, and it simply says this. It says, doing nothing is not an option. And I have it on the back of the door, so I don't know whether every time I suppose walk out the door, it's sort of... You know, I want to sit with my feet up in the office and drink tea all day. Maybe that speaks to me, but I think it's more to do with actually what we do as a church, what we do as believers. So doing nothing is not an option because we can always do something. The Samaritan teaches us that you can do something. It might not be everything, but you can do something. And we see that he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal. He brought him to an inn, he took care of him. Simply, instead of passing by, he sacrificially got involved. He says, you know, as a church, we have to get involved in, in, in people's lives, in people's worlds. We, we have to do that. 
He says, we're, we're, we're not in a sense that we're, we're closed off from that. We're, we have to get involved. We're, we're, we have to help people. We're, we have to be that because it, it's what we're called to do. And so often that's uncomfortable. And often it's inconvenient to get involved, especially when people are broken and people have lots of issues and difficulties and baggage that they're walking through. But it's what we believe we've been called to do as a church. That, As we've said so many times, we throw the doors open and we want people to come who are broken, who are dealing with stuff because we believe this is the best place to deal with everything. This is a blessed place to work out the stuff that God is working out in your lives. And we see here, you know, again with the Samaritan, that he simply just loved him sacrificially. He did everything he could to help him. He, he, didn't, want to be, he, he didn't want to be asked to see the need right in front of him was enough to make him do something. He gave freely of both his time and his resources and everything. You see, he took out that two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper. His responsibility wasn't even just for that short time, but he extends it and says, when I'm coming back this way, if I owe you anything, and he says, and I will pay you what I owe you. What a tremendous picture tonight of helping broken people who, with compassion, you see, loving God with everything means allowing him to touch our emotions and saturate our souls with compassion. So when we see broken humanity, the love of Christ wells up and causes us to respond rather than retreat. Before we get saved, before we become Christians, whatever language we want to use, the reality is we would have stopped to our own. We would have turned around and looked at people in need and we would have helped some people because, you know, do, do being kind and charitable is not, a, it's not just a Christian thing, you know, but we would have stopped to our own and we would have just made sure that we did the bits that we, we had to do. And yet, once, once we're saved because the love of Christ has come into our heart, it compels us to make a difference. It says we have to make a difference. And rather than looking at it and saying it's a big world out there with lots of problems, often God just challenges us, like in the story of the Samaritan, just to meet the need of the person who is in front of you with a need. And, and really that's what we can do tonight because often that person is just that person is just broken and in need of somebody doing something for them or telling them something they probably haven't heard in a while even things along the line of God loves you you're special just something that says to them that your life is worth living that God values you so much because of he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And he says all of those things we can do. We often think sometimes we are helpless and we can do nothing. Yet if we actually stopped and paused, he says we can do more than we think we can. That actually the service and the ministry that God calls us to is not always about what we do when we stand behind here but actually meet the needs of the people that we come across every day in our life. It says that person who is homeless on the street, it says that cup of tea that we give them, that, 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 that challenge that we give. You know, and, and you know, God is always challenging us to, to, to meet needs. And, and, and I think that's right. I think it's correct that we are like that. It says, I remember last year, it says somebody had given me a £20 note 
And if you're a married man, you know what that is, don't you? Somebody had given me a gift of a £20 note and said, you know, to, you, to, to go and, and spend it on something for yourself, which was, of course, an Ulster fry. So, but I didn't. <laughs> but to go and spend it, and, and I thought to myself, I thought, you know, when, you, when you're, you know, two teenage girls and all of that, you never see £20 notes very often. So I thought, first thing, not tell anybody. I thought I'd keep it to myself. So I'm walking through town, and you see people there, and they're, and, and they're, they're, they're begging, and, they're, and you know, we, we know all of this, and often we think, well, we can't help everybody, but, you know, it's not possible, or we, we give those reasons that we said. And I remember just walking past, uh, the, by the big Greggs, I hadn't been in there yet, but anyway, by the Greggs, and a fellow was sitting outside there, and he'd written this thing on the card and, about his life. And something just drew me to this young man. Something just drew me to, to this young man. I don't know what it was. And, and I, the spiritually could turn around and say, well, it was the, the spirit and stuff. And I just drew to this young man. Started talking to him and asking him his story. And, you know, his story was, was horrendous. His story was just awful. And he'd end up finding himself on the street and you know it was raining and and I thought to myself I'm chatting away and then he says to me he says he says what do you do and I thought to myself this is where the conversation gets ruined now but as I said to him I says I'm a pastor of a church and he looked at me and he said these words and they pierced my heart because he says are you another person coming to judge me ah oh, and I was like and I said to him I says you know no, no I'm not Actually, and then I remembered I had £20 in my pocket. And I thought to myself, I thought, ah, oh, I knew it was God because I would never wanted to have given it away. <laughs> and the listening to this young man's story, and he'd had a bad experience with church. He continued on and he'd messed up his life and stuff. And I told him, listen, this is where we have a church and stuff and he'd only got a bit of change in his pocket and I thought to myself at first because it was me I said you haven't got change for 20 no I didn't say that <laughs> but I thought it I thought it as we all would and I said to him and I said listen I'm giving you that 20 pound and he says every time you think about church I want you to think about me and I said, not in the sense that I'm anything special, but I says, I believe in Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. He can change yours. And there's 20 pound. And I says, I don't care what you do with it. I says, but I want you to think of the church the next time. Just think of the church. Think of, of how good Christians are. Just think because I gave you that. And I said to him, you don't realize how hard it is for me to give you that. <laughs> trying to pull out how hard but I said I give you that and I walked away from him and I thought to myself I thought because we all do when we find out people's stories could I do more could I direct him to a certain place could I do this and I get challenged and I thought to myself I thought you know I hadn't done that in such a long time because we get so consumed with religion and spiritual stuff and church and everything else that goes along with that we forget like the Samaritan did was walking down a road he sees somebody in need and he has compassion and he meets the need of that man 
And to my shame, it was I, that day was the first time I'd done that in a long time. And it reminded me of what I needed to do as a believer. It reminded me of what I should be doing as a believer, that the real ministry and service is out there helping people and challenging them, and uh, sorry, and helping them to, to change by encouraging them and leading them to a God that loves them. And, and, you, and I thought, what a, what a challenge. What, what a challenge for each and every one of us tonight, you know, because each of us have probably been in that point where we have had a need and a broken person on the inside helped a broken person on the outside. Your brokenness does not disqualify you from serving him. The Samaritan had probably been in lots of different situations where he'd been racially abused by the Jews and other people. And he understood what it was to be hurt on the, the, in his life and with his walk and stuff. And as he goes down the road this day, he suddenly thinks, none of that's going to determine the help that I'm going to give this broken man here. And how true is that, that sometimes we, we stop and hinder ourselves from being used by God because we think, I can't do anything or say anything because I've got enough of my own issues and enough of my own brokenness going on. God uses each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how broken we feel we are this evening. God can use everybody and he does use everybody. If you're waiting till you're perfect, it won't happen until you get to heaven. But there's a lot of stuff to do before we get to heaven. And you see, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And he says he sent him, uh, he sent him to seek and save that which was lost. Those people who, who in a sense, had built their life around uh, the mess and the baggage and all the other stuff that goes on in life. They were lost. They didn't know the way. And God sent Jesus so people could find their way. And you see, we're here this evening and, and, and we have this challenge and we throw this challenge out every Sunday because we believe that, it, that it's true and it's correct to do that. That simply God loves you tonight. In your broken state, in the mess that your life has gotten into, and he offers you a way out. And the way out is his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for each and every person gathered in this place. He died for the forgiveness of our sins, so we could be, because we are loved by him. And that message never changes from week in, day in, week out. That message never changes. And so at the end of my sermon this evening, with every head bowed just for a second, we just want to offer the response to people simply because we know at times there are people in here who feel, God can't love me. I'm too broken. Nobody is too broken. Give your life to God and give God an opportunity to do something in your life. And listen, if you want to get saved tonight, if you want to get right with God tonight, if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ tonight, whatever language you want to use, if you want the change in your life this evening, I just ask you this evening just to slip your hand up in the air and then put it down again, just as I said. Thank you. Two people. Brilliant. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, there's still opportunity for more. There's still opportunity. God is working in our church. He is working in the lives of people. 
And we must give him that opportunity. Is there anybody else tonight who simply says, yes, I want to I get saved tonight. I, I want to give my life to God tonight. I tell you, there's never a person regretted doing that. And says he can take your mess and turn it into his message. He can do that tonight. Is there anybody else before we close in prayer tonight? Father, we come before you this evening. We thank you for these two people. Put the hand in the air, God. The angels rejoice in heaven tonight, Lord. Because, Father, they have said, I want to live for God. That God, they have said that, 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 Lord, no matter how broken and messed up they may feel, Lord. God, that you can do something tonight in their lives. You've already demonstrated your love by sending your son, Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for that tonight. And we pray for them. And Father, for each and every head bowed in this room, we thank you, Father God, that you are working in our lives, that you, none of us are beyond your repair. None of us are beyond being fixed. In Jesus' name, amen. For the, for the two people that, that, that put their hand in the air, if you go out at the end of the service to, into the foyer, or the room on the left, the overflow room, there will be people in there to talk to you and just simply just share with you the decision that you've made tonight to give you some reading materials to help you along. But we rejoice tonight because people have got saved once again.